Happy Hump Day. Welcome back to Looking Backwards, Looking Forwards. I'm C. Thomas Printer, and I'm here with Austerity Jones. Happy Wednesday, C. Thomas. This week on Looking Backwards, what's happening in Sudan? Can you give us some information? Well, the violence has reached Sudan. And since the 2021 coup, Sudan has been locked in the midst of a civil war. And so it is now affecting civilians, and civilians have been killed this week. And even last Saturday, there was a um, ending of a 24-hour ceasefire, so hopefully they can remove the innocent civilians from the battlegrounds, which include airstrikes, etc. At the genesis of this is the conflict between the military general, or uh, Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, and his deputy, who is the leader of the... Um, paramilitary forces, General Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo. At stake is largely the future of Sudan. Some of them are wanting elections and to uh, elect a democratic government. However, if that happens, there is a good chance that one or both of them will be removed from their very important positions of power. So holding on to power has caused them to go to war, to try to preserve their positions, and even more, assume more power as the leader of the country. As we discussed in the Argentina episodes, um, as we went through their peaceful transitions of power, or lack of, this is what happens when you have a power vacuum in such things. So there's um, conflict. The people are the big losers as they try to figure out what's the direction of Sudan. Thank you, C. Thomas. As you say, we want to make our audience remember here at the CTPC. And it is easy to forget the pain there is around the world in the midst of lots of distracting headlines. Speaking uh, of the pain around the world, let's go to Myanmar and remember the civil war there. What you got to say about Myanmar? Well, Myanmar has been under coups or military conflict or civil war for the better part of six, seven decades now. Um, it has largely been um, a place that has had very little stability. And so... Again, as in the Sudan, there was a coup in 2021. Now, here is where it gets interesting. The military has taken over and they have delayed the elections, but they have now delayed them, I believe it's twice, and by rule of whatever law that they're having, there is a law that says they have only the ability to delay these elections twice. And what's going to happen is they are supposed to have elections by August. And it would be, um, I think it's August 1st, January, or August 1st, 2023, there are supposed to be elections. So the question becomes is how good are these elections going to be? How fair, etc. when you have military conflict, civil war, but this is the situation they find themselves in. And the other thing that's happening there is, uh, as in Sudan, there is a lot of innocent casualties um, by having this war basically happening in the country that they live in and the the neighborhoods and the cities of the country. So while we talk about silly things in our country about Bud Light advertising campaigns and we talk about other stuff that just makes us, you know, a little angry, there's real problems out there in the world. These countries have 
real lives being lost. And when we bog down in whether Trump had sex with a porn star seven years ago and whether that's going to change the state of our country, we have coups and we have military conflicts and we have kids getting murdered. And as we see, there's real problems around the world. And the stuff that we sometimes get bogged down with here at CTPC, we need to open our eyes and our surroundings a little bit further to say, hmm, you know what, these problems aren't as big as we often see. So when we think of that, we need to think of things like Myanmar and Sudan and come up with a little better perspective about life. Very well said, C. Thomas. Now, back to business. South America's Mercado Livre hiring thousands and they're planning some expansions. But that comes in the midst of big tech layoffs. What you got to say? Well, Mercado Libre, which is largely the Latin and South American equivalent of Amazon, the online ordering, and um, also a fintech arm with money transfer um, company, they're expanding. And unlike some of the drop-off that we've seen um, in the United States with Amazon and some of the online darlings of COVID like uh, Peloton, things like that, uh, remember, America gave their people a lot of money, where the rest of the world didn't give as much money. So we're seeing a quick rise in 2021 and then a drop-off. But the rest of the world has just seen slow growth. So the Latin American Mercado Libre, they're expanding still. They're seeing expansion in their um, the amount of commerce that they're doing and revenues. And so they're actually adding 10,000 employees um, and the this is an opportunity for them to expand their business as their consumers go more and more online. You know, one of the interesting things is we're looking at the American stock market, which had a very tough year last year. Well, Mercado Libre, in, you know, in comparison to the uh, the 16.5% return so far this year on the NASDAQ, uh, Mercado Libre is up nearly 55%. So they're performing very well in a lot of locations that we look at from the United States and say, hmm, aren't they having issues in Argentina and Brazil with inflation and double-digit inflation? They might be, but they're also still doing business. So when we get bogged down and think that that, does, that can't happen, it certainly can. So it looks like they're running their business very carefully. They're not assuming a lot of debt. And they are something that is, um, if you're looking for investment opportunities outside the United States, this seems like a company that is the equivalent of a uh, Latin American Alibaba and an American Amazon. So it's definitely a company that you want to keep your eye on. Not it. And let's go to Looking Forwards. This week on Looking Forwards, India has officially became the world's most populous country last Friday. And as we've been talking, no doubt that the country has a great potential to be the world's production hub and even maybe one of the superpowers. Yet, the assassination of a former Indian lawmaker and his brother in front of live television cameras while under police custody has sparked renewed anger over the blurred lines between politics and crime in the region. Yes, if you have heard of Atik Ahmed, He's a very controversial, some say scandalous mafioso figure. Some say he's a politician and someone that's trying to do good for the country. But the fact remains that he was assassinated on live TV with more than 240 million people watching. So the only thing that I think that I can even remotely 
equate this to is when Lee Harvey Oswald shot John F. Kennedy, and he was being moved out of the jail in Dallas, Texas, and Jack Ruby came up and shot him and killed him in 1963. This would be the equivalent. So when we think of this and we say, wow, India is out of control. Look at them. They can never be a superpower. I'm sorry, America was the biggest superpower, and the person that shot the president also was assassinated on national TV. Let's continue with politics. Brazil's president, Lula da Silva, he had a much-anticipated state visit to China, and with this high-profile visit, he signaled that China will be a top priority in the country's new foreign policy which will draw closer synchronity from Washington due to the strategic nature of the Brazil-China relationship. What is C. Thomas thinking about that? Well, we know that Lula, the leader in Brazil, is definitely um, wanting to continue the relationship that he actually helped start build in the early 2000s with China as they were one of the first major strategic partners. And a, China was obviously a market for the soybeans that are raised in Brazil. Um, Brazil has about, mm, I want to say about a 50% positive export ratio to China, meaning they export about 50% more than they import. So this is a large source of revenue for uh, mostly the agricultural products in Brazil, and it's a very important one for them. And I think they also want to have their cake and eat it too. So they want to maintain China, but they also want to try to maintain the relationship with one of their biggest partners as well, the United States. However, in one speech, Lula boldly stated that no one was going to stop them from improving their relationship with China, and that many people took um, that to be a, a reference to the United States. So Lula is expanding Brazil's presence on the world stage, as they should, if that's what he's trying to do. And he's making a lot of traveling stops right now around the world, whether it be Argentina, um, other places that he's hoping to open the export markets to in Brazil. And I think the, the main reason is, is Brazil has an economy that is prepared to be an export power in Latin America. So when we think of the United States and where our trade with, with China, perhaps, there's other markets for the United States to fill some of the capacity that China has predominantly done. And maybe it's time for the United States to think about Brazil as a more of a trading partner than something that we kind of control. That was an interesting ending, C. Thomas. All right. One of the most favorite things we like to talk about here at CTPC, government. <laughs> Another government involvement in private industry. Canada, this time, has agreed to provide up to 13 billion Canadian dollars in subsidies and about 700 million Canadian dollars grant to lure Volkswagen into building its North American battery plant in Canada. Ah, uh, yes, my favorite little socialist north of the border, Mr. Trudeau has managed to find his way into government involving itself in private industry by saying, here, here's money, please come, Volkswagen. Please bring your jobs, please bring your green um, battery plants to my country because I like to be green and I like to be progressive. Well, here's the thing. Now, if you're Volkswagen and you know that the United States has offered uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, which basically was a lot of green subsidies um, for companies that would move their manufacturing facilities to the United States. Europe, which is trying to 
counteract the United States Inflation Reduction Act by offering grants. So basically, these companies need to just sit here and they, they literally can go shopping of which government is going to give them the most money. As we talked, is this how private enterprises worked in capitalism? Or is this the tax dollars of the people in all of these different countries that are going into these pockets of these big companies? I'm pretty certain that China is not offering these subsidies. I'm pretty sure Vietnam, where there's production capabilities, is not doing the same thing. They are not using green energy. They are using the cheapest energy possible. They're using cheap labor. And when it comes to buy a product coming out of a very expensive Canadian, European, or American plant versus something coming out of a much cheaper one, which one do you think the consumers are going to purchase? I'm sure it's going to be the cheapest one that suits the consumer the best. So how profitable are these plants going to be in the first place? That's something we have to think about as well. Because Ultimately, we know that governments are going to screw up anytime they get interference into the private enterprise. So my question is, is if all these governments and the Western powers are doing this, where does the real product that people might buy come from? We will see. See, Thomas, thank you for sharing your comments. And let's remind our listeners to watch us on YouTube and also go check out our blog, cthomasprinter.com. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Austerity. Until next week, remember, when you see a duck on the water, they look very tranquil, but underneath, they are kicking vigorously. <laughs>